Boom! It is Tuesday, ladies and gents, Woo! and we're going to talk a little bit about being a human when it comes to business. All right. Shut up and sit down. The Business Bros Podcast was created for you. Learn from the business professionals who come to share their stories. Find out what's working in business on social media, what's hot and what's not, straight from the mouths of successful entrepreneurs out there doing the real work. And now, welcome to another episode of Business, business Bros. Yeah, <laughs> James, it is that time. It is, is that, that time. It, is it warming up in San Diego? Is it warming up? Woo, woo, it's hot. It's hot in here. Here we go. All right, all you business pros out there, before we jump into the show, just a quick reminder to please subscribe on whichever platform it is that you're catching us on today. Give us a like, give us a follow, subscribe, and drop a review and help other like-minded business owners find value from our awesome guests as we rise up in the podcast rankings. We will sincerely appreciate every single one of you for it. And if you want to be a guest on the show, we'd love to have you on and learn from you as well. Go to www.businessbros.biz slash podcast guest to schedule your time slot. And if uh, and don't forget to follow us on all our social medias at Business Bros Pod. Ladies and gentlemen, we're so excited and so honored to bring yet another incredible guest on the Business Bros Pod. The one thing that stood out to me the most while I was doing research on today's guest is that, like yours truly, he leads with his heart. It's one thing to be the CEO of a majorly successful corporation, feared and respected by subordinates and peers alike. Our guest today, however, was recognized this year as one of Houston's most admired CEOs, and there's no mystery why. He loves his work because what truly drives him is changing people's lives. He believes in creating environments that leaves people better off than when they started. That's why, after managing a $100 million sales division for an $8 billion company and founding multiple nonprofit startups in order to give back, he created the perfect environment to help young companies grow. Coming to us today out of Houston, Texas, give it up for the CEO of Work Lodge and a Guinness World Record holder. Welcome to the show, Mike Thacker. <laughs> Mike, welcome to the program, man. How you doing? Dude, I'm doing awesome. How are you guys doing? Oh man, it's, it's, uh, I'm excited to hear about, first of all, I'm just going to go out and just start off with the first question. Guinea's book world record. What is that? What do you have the record in? So it was 2020. I figured that, you know, the year wasn't challenging enough. So, uh, I was involved with a, a little thing called Podfest not too long ago. I was one of the speakers on their, uh, their world record attempt for the largest online virtual podcast uh, conference in the world. And they, they broke the record by three, literally by three. And so uh, I got myself a little certificate and I'm going to get it framed, stick it on the back wall somewhere and feel pretty good about myself. That's okay. So virtual event. So in other words, we had a bunch of podcasters together on a virtual event and, and you were in front of the most number of people. So I was one of the speakers. It was like a whole you know set of speaker tracks over three or four different days. And I think overall, they came in at like 5,003 attendees online at that virtual podcast event. Yeah. It's called PodFest uh, Expo, I think. All right, I got to I got to hear about this. As a fellow podcaster, what was it like knowing or being aware that 5,000 pairs of eyes were on you in your message? Well, so I don't know that they were all on me at that exact moment in time. I'm not sure how the numbers kind of washed out, but it was definitely 
it was definitely a little bizarre. Um, you know, we kind of pre-recorded a segment and then, you know, you're live as your recording's playing so you can interact with the, the folks and it, it kind of removes some of the technical risks, you know, for doing an event that was worldwide and global. So, uh, dude, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty awesome. And actually the day that my, um, my talk was on was literally launch day for my podcast. So it, I was pretty stoked. That's a huge bump. Did you, were you able to, uh, to kind of take some of that audience and shift it in your direction? Well, I don't know because I don't know what it would have been without it. So I, I think I, I think I might have had a couple, but I don't know what what the normal was before. All right. Well, let's let's talk about your your uh, your entrepreneurial journey. Uh, James was talking about how you lead with your heart. It, him in particular, he has this birthmark on his arm. It's in the shape of a heart. So we always tell him he wears his heart in his sleeve. Very emotional. Uh, and we kind of got our, our company motto from that. Uh, you know, he does the insurance bro show. And on that show, we talk about how we want to be known as the agency that overpays their people and gives away cool free shit. <laughs> so those, those are kind of the things that we love to be promoting. But at some point, your companies need to make a profit. What was your journey like uh, to get to that philanthropy stage through, uh, through building businesses? So I think, you know, this time around, so this is my fifth startup here with WorkLodge. And so this time around, the goal was right from the outset, we, we knew we wanted to do this nonprofit. We knew we wanted to fund it. And, you know, I'm going back 2013, 2014, when, when we first had the idea, started working on it. So, you know, social enterprise, social impacts, all that kind of stuff. If it was around, dude, I, I wasn't aware of it. You know, it wasn't kind of that fashionable kind of phrase that it is today. And so we were just trying to figure out, look, if we could have a for-profit, and we can take all the, the profits from there and fund this nonprofit, man, we can go out there and you know make a small dent in the world, never have to ask anybody for anything, never have to rely on donations and all that kind of stuff. And then if we can scale and be more successful, it just means we can fuel more good. So you know, we made the nonprofit before we even opened the doors. I mean, it was, it was there from the get-go. We, when we were pre-selling, we were telling everybody about it. And um, you know, it's been neat to be able to roll through that. We, we donate straight off the top, off the gross revenues, and um, you know, obviously, try and keep a little bit for business growth and development and that kind of stuff as well. But that's that's really our, our primary primary reason for existence, other than obviously serving the customer and, and delivering this great workspace experience that we're that we're trying to deliver. Um, really, the flip side of that coin is we've got to do it so we can we can go out there. There's people depending on us. There's people's lives literally hanging on the line if we don't if we don't make this work. So. Well, let's uh, let's put the pause button because I want to get back to work lodge, especially with the whole COVID situation and how you guys are handling that. But before that, how did you how did you you know you talked about doing multiple startups at this point? You're at the point where you know you're you're you, this is not your first rodeo. What was it like getting started for you at the very beginning? There are a lot of uh, a lot of uh, our audience is just getting started. That you know, do I I have this idea? Maybe it's something great, something awesome that I'm going to take advantage of. Uh, and they, they tend to fall into a lot of pitfalls and mistakes. What were some of the experiences you had when you first got started? So my first company, I was probably in my mid twenties, maybe, you know, 26, 27, something like that. I'd been working for a few years after college and, um, I actually worked for this, this great manager who ended up being my business partner. And we started an internet marketing company back in the nineties. Literally, this is pre Google. So I remember when Google launched and I was still using Alta Vista and Excite ask Jeeves and all these other search engines and you'd put your search term in and you'd hope that something even remotely, you know, correct came back. And then along came Google and it's like, wow, it actually works. I can search for, you know, fish and chips and I actually get fish and chips back in the results. So it's pretty <laughs> awesome. And so, um, you know, I think first time around, look, I, I, you know, I was married young. So my wife was, was just qualifying as a school teacher and we had that practical conversation. Hey, you know what? I've been working for a few years. You've been at school. 
I want to go start this thing. means I might not make any money for a little while. Can we cover the bills? Can we cover what we need to? And is it okay if we can't do much more than that? And, you know, we said, yes. So it was time to take the risk. I mean, especially when you're younger, you got no kids, you don't have a lot of responsibility. As long as you can cover the, the basics that you've got to make sure of, I mean, what are you going to do? Not take a risk and see where something could go? Mm-hmm. That's regret all over, right? All of a sudden, right? you're going to have a lot of, you know, it's, it's funny that you have that same start because uh, when I was 20 years old, I bought my first house. We started our first business on accident. Uh, we were young, dumb and partying and not really paying attention to our business. So our business failed, right? We, we hit rock bottom. And at that point, uh, when I was at my brokest is when I was going to get married. (laughs) I had, it had gone through all these ups and then I hit the worst part. I was super broke. I had dropped out of college, didn't have a degree. And my wife was just starting her student teaching. So she's a teacher too. So we were, I I can clearly remember having a very similar conversation with, uh, you know, that, that whole idea of what's going to happen next. And by that time, by that point, you know, that entrepreneurial bug had already bit. I knew this was something that I wanted to continue to do. And she was there 100% to support everything. I mean, critically, right. And, you know, keeping me, keeping me in check every once in a while when I, you know, my ambitions were bigger than what I was actually doing, but supportive nonetheless. Um, how, how was it, you know, having a spouse to support you to kind of be there when you weren't making money, be there when you have this new idea, be there when you have to make a capital investment, when you don't necessarily have that squared away, what was it like uh, building at that point? So I think, you know, one of the things I've really been blessed with is a wife that believed in me and, and, and the things I wanted to do. We actually talked about this for a couple of episodes called Be Supported on the podcast, little plug there. But um, it was important to talk about because, you know, one of the things a lot of entrepreneurs miss is they think about, have I got a good idea? Can I go start it? Have I got enough investment? They don't stop and think, do I have the right people around me to give me that encouragement every day, to believe in me, to stick with me, whether this works or not? You know, as a, as a, a flexible workspace provider, I've seen marriages fail because mm. he wants to keep going with his startup. His wife doesn't want him to keep going with it. Then they have an impasse. You know, literally one guy, she, she left, he stuck with it. He ended up selling it. You know, thankfully he's you know got a new life and, and everything's kind of worked out okay. But if you don't stop and think about that stuff as well, dude, you're never going to be successful because you're going to need it. You're going to need those people around you. You can need those people believing in you, and you're going to you're going to need those people encouraging you. You know, when you you take that roller coaster ride. Let's talk about that team though, because you 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 mentioned something super important right here, which is that solopreneur, right? We think we're gonna do it all on our own. I can do my own books, I can do my own taxes, I can do my own marketing, I can edit my own videos, I can, I can, I can, I can do everything. I wear every single hat. Uh, talk to me about building your team and how that helped you uh, grow your business, scale your business, and give you that time that's necessary so that the person who's supporting you most gets some of that attention. So I think I can, I can talk about that in two different ways, actually. So, you know, my first business, my second business back in the UK, small businesses, I had a partner in one, didn't have a partner in the other. Um, it was easier to find people to help because my, my village is there, right? People I've worked with in previous companies, previous uh, schools that I've grown up with. I mean, you've just, got, you've just got a network of friends and family you can lean on. You know, coming to a new country, as you can probably tell from my southern drawl, I'm not originally from Texas. Um, <laughs> but coming to a new country and having to do it again, <gasps> um, dude, it's been harder. It's been harder to find people. I, I I can't pick up the phone and speak to somebody I've known for 20 years and say, dude, can you come and help me with this? 
because mm. I don't have them. And so we found that one of the most difficult things here, finding people to believe in the cause, believe in what we're doing, believe in us, and um, you know, and trust us along that journey to to see through it to the end. And you know, we've got a small core team right now that are just they're awesome. And um, you know, we've been really, really blessed. But I'd be lying if I didn't say it'd been hard to put that together and um, you know, unbelievably hard compared to, you know, my first couple of startups back in the UK where, you know, everything was so different. When you're here in Texas, how did you find those team members? So what was that thing that kind of shifted over where you became, I mean, was it something like a BNI group? Was it church? Was it, you know, kids, you know, sports teams? How did you end up connecting with the right people? So believe it or not, they've all been strangers that we just interviewed and hired. So I've done really badly hiring from church. It is what it is, but you know, it hasn't worked for me. Um, we found one at a job fair. And, um, you know, he was there along with a bunch of other folks. We interviewed him, talked to him, uh, one straight from a good old indeed.com. And, um, I'm not even sure whether, you know, where the third one came from that I'm thinking of, but I think for me, you know, we've taken a very slow and steady approach, try not to uh, get too carried away too quick, you know, test, measure, execute, hope that they can deliver and make sure they can deliver, you know, more than once or twice. So you've really got that trust there and you've really built up a level of, of understanding where, you know, they can understand you and how you're communicating. You can understand them and how they're communicating. And then together you can kind of slowly build on that. And um, I think a lot of entrepreneurs struggle where they might trust someone too quick. They may, um, you know, pass off too much responsibility because it's just so much on their shoulders, you know? And then again, I, I, got, I got stories coming out of my ears. One of my good friends here is uh, his bookkeeper. And she, she took him for 50 grand over the course of a number of years, just siphoning off dollars here and there. Damn! Right. You know, I mean, it, it caught up with him, but that's painful. Yeah. Especially when you don't know and you're struggling to, to get started. I mean, at the very beginning of your business, sometimes, you know, finding that break even point and getting to that is one of the most difficult and most stressful things to do, especially when you're, you know, you have a family that you're, that you need to take care of. And to find out later down the road that it was all being, you know, a lot of that was being inched away from you. I couldn't imagine. I mean, just the sheer anger in that, uh, but but it kind of these are also learning uh, lessons, right? These are these are points, moments in time that they can be frustrating, they can be upsetting. There are huge roadblocks or obstacles in our way, but these are also things that are life lessons. I always talk about you know going broke. The very, the first time I ever went broke was the greatest education in business I had ever come across. Uh, and it's, it's sad that I had to, you know, wear the the scars and, 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 you know, have the wounds to go through it, but I'm better for it. Right. Uh, you know, when, when that sort of stuff happens, <clears throat> let's talk a little bit about work lodge. You, you leave the UK, you come over here to the great country of Texas, uh, and you decide to get started right away on a new venture. Uh, walk me through that. No. So we actually came here to work with some nonprofits. So uh, the first time I came to the US was in the 90s. We came here for a, a little while, worked out in Nashville, Tennessee with a nonprofit called Teen Challenge. And it's a, a substance abuse rehabilitation program. It's faith-based and um, it's a one-year residential program where, where um, young adults and teenagers can come in dealing with life controlling substance abuse, alcohol, drugs, whatever. And so that was our first taste of the US and it was, it was phenomenal. And I think that uh, was probably the single most vivid example I can think of that made me realize if you're going to do anything and you're going to try and find a way to help people and you got to roll up your sleeves and you got to get in there where it's down and dirty. A lot of folks don't want to get in, in the weeds. 
but somebody's got to, and 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 they they killed it again. I talk about this on one of the episodes, but it was just a phenomenal life changing experience. So when we came back, I actually came back to work at a church. So I'm a I'm a I'm a faith guy. I've been a, a, a kids pastor, a youth pastor, an assistant pastor. And so we worked at churches for a number of years, and 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 I think through that was when I realized, hey, I can't do the things I want to do. And, 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 you know, the, the, the model of church or the system of church isn't built to do some of the things I want to do. And that's what took us back on this road of, okay, wh- where have I seen, you know, some favor before in life? Well, okay, I did okay in business. What if we could do something with business, fuse it with mission and purpose and actually make something of it? And so that's, that, that's what we did with Work Lodge. And obviously that's what's enabled us to do things like, you know, building children's homes out in India or, you know, building clean water wells for thousands of people, or even here in, in Houston, you know, we just, uh, it made a, a what for us was our largest donation ever to a, a local nonprofit here. They're building a five-acre self-sustaining community where they can bring in the homeless, um, the overlooked, give them somewhere to live, educate them, train them vocationally, and then literally they're going to build an auto shop like on site so they can have a job, earn a wage, create a profit. The profit goes back into the self-sustaining community to help fund everything. We're all about that. That's what we're interested in. So uh, you know, we just try to make the world a better place. <laughs> and, and that's what exactly what you're doing. Everything you just described right there, uh, there there's power in it. Mainly, go ahead, James, because I know that's one of your things. You got to turn on your mic though. <laughs> so that that's totally forgot. <laughs> but I just wanted to pop in really quick and say that that is exactly what I'm talking about. Like building that kind of a, of a self sustaining community. Like right. that's how you solve homelessness and there are resources in the world to do that sorry i just had to pop in and say that no but you're right that's the only way you're going to do it because the old model is you know ask 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 here's my hand give me some more free money mm-hmm. Dude, there's no free money left look around if you can't build it with a with a fusion of entrepreneurship in the mission you are not going to succeed going this next decade but what you described, the way you described that, right? The way you you laid it out, you know, you you didn't know if the church was going to let you do certain things, whatever. You were first and foremost trying to solve a problem, and and right. that's something that that successful entrepreneurs have been able to identify quick and easy. There's a problem. Let's brainstorm on this particular problem. Let's see if there's even a market for this particular. Do other people have a similar problem? Right. And then let's take it to market. So let's, let's talk about the, the work lodge for a second, because things have changed since uh, since you've opened that a little, uh, bit. <laughs> a little bit. Right. So first of all, uh, tell us what work lodge is and then uh, go into how COVID has affected it. Yeah. So again, you know, back in 2013, you know, I'm working in the world of, of boutique security, kidnap, ransom, extortion, that kind of stuff. So, you know, u- ultra sensitive, no centralized office. I'm working from home. And listen, for all this working from home stuff, I promise you, you do that for a few years, everybody wants to get back to the office. <laughs> so I, I needed somewhere to go work and I couldn't find anything. The only place that I could find was this executive suite space. And it was four solid walls, a drywall, a solid door. It was like a prison cell. I didn't see another human being when I went in and when I went out. Oh, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> and so they said, hey, this is the only one we've got. You know, and it's saving a bucks a month. And I came home and I said to my wife, I said, babe, I don't know a thing about commercial real estate, but I can build something better than that because I'm not going to go work there. <laughs> and so we started on this idea of what if we could build some kind of cool campus environment for the smaller business, you know, that mid-sized business who can't build a Googleplex, who can't build a, a Microsoft, whatever, because I'd worked at bigger companies and seen how awesome that was. Why should the little guy suffer? Because he can't make the investment. And so that's the idea that, that Work Lodge bore out of. And then obviously co-working became a thing. And so 
you know, I thought I had a great idea, but evidently someone beat me to it. And so it's, it's been a fun few years and, you know, we, we've only got a few locations, but I am biased. Dude, they're awesome. Like we, we built a Mercedes Benz level workspace and we sell it at Ford money and we deliver some really, really cool environments. Man, I was watching the little stuff on the YouTube there. You got a slide in your right. places, right? Yeah. What's the, what's the slide all about? So I wanted, I wanted a fun vibe and we're child free. So it's not for kids at all. And so what we say to people is this, dude, if you win a big deal or you want to celebrate something, you go hit that slide. Everybody knows it's high five time. Like that's, that's the work lives language for dude. I killed it today. That's, you know, and, and the other thing I was thinking of, I mean, that's, that's probably a, a cultural thing for your office, but if you're feeling in the dumps, like you don't feel like getting stuff done, going down that slide, you right. know, as an adult does something different to you. I believe it does. You know what I mean? Like when you see an adult in the playground and they go up and they go down the slide when it's not to chase a child, <laughs> their inner child comes out. All of a sudden, whatever you were feeling, the, 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 the doubt, the fear, the anger, whatever, you go down that slide, it's almost like it whisks it away. Like it's gone. And, and you feel that euphoria that you're talking about. And when That's other cool, baby. I mean, you know how it is exactly and, and when other people are they're giving you that high five you know helping you out they don't they might not know exactly what's going on it could have been a good deal it could have been you just needed a pat on the back but you've provided an atmosphere where that happens now we've had covid since march 13th country goes into this whole lockdown thing people are working from home how has that affected your business so you know i think everybody in commercial real estate has been affected you know lots of companies don't want to come into the office some of them have been fortunate enough to be able to, you know, shut down a lease or shut down an agreement or just run it, run it out because the timing was great. Some of them, you know, have still been locked in it. I genuinely believe long term, the majority of people wouldn't choose working from home versus going to a great space to work from. I do think there's going to be a shift. I do think there's going to be more of a hub and spoke model, which is why we built in the suburbs from the get go because we've always believed that. And um, I think in the co working industry, particularly. You know, the practical reality is, you know, some spaces aren't going to make it. It's not because it's a bad model. I think it's a global pandemic. What, what, what do you want to say? You know, mm -hmm. the guy that wins is the guy's got enough cash to ride it out or they got enough lawyers to strong arm the landlord, you know, to give them a break. And for the ones that, that don't have one of those two options, yeah, they, you know, they're probably going to lose their space. And I think it's going to be a shame because ultimately it makes so much more sense. Why as a business owner, why on earth would I go and sign a three or a five or a seven year lease? And, and hope that my business is the size I think it's going to be in three or five or seven years. And if it's not, I either overpaid for space I didn't use, I underpaid for space, and now I'm stuck because I got nowhere to go. And I'm getting nickel and dime for all these other things that I didn't even know existed. I mean, dude, I had no idea that I had to pay taxes on every chair and every desk and every, every piece of like literally business property I own every single year. I'm like, is this a joke? You know, and I get the bills every year. And most small business owners, I don't think, realize it, but we pay that so they don't have to because we, we own everything. So there's just so many reasons why it makes so much sense that I think in the long run, you're going to see flexible space and then you're going to see big floors and buildings that the big guys take. And I don't think there's going to be anything in between. I really don't. I think it would be abnormal for any small company to go at least 3,000 or 5,000 square feet. It, it could be suicide for them. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. But you have another side of your business here. So part of it is maintaining the the actual space, right? So that it doesn't go under. But the other side is all the benefits that came with your type of business, right? So it, you're, you're, you're for profit, technically, 
right? But you're also contributing so much to to other types of organizations around you. How has that, uh, the, the ability for you to be so giving, how has that shown in reciprocity now that the pandemic has hit? So I think that's been one of the, it's been one of the most surprising things for me. Um, you know, we really haven't shouted about it probably as much as we should. Um, you know, this whole podcasting thing and, you know, being on YouTube or whatever is very, very strange for me. I'm a little bit, a little bit more of a quiet guy. And so I think we've probably done a really poor job of, of communicating and messaging that over the years. You know, since we opened, you know, we've, we've shot for, and I think we've achieved every single year um, over 10% off the top gross, off the top revenue that we've been able to donate back to the nonprofit or other people's nonprofits, you know, in the local area and beyond. Um, not sure where we're going to fall this year. I got to be honest, I got to see where the end of the year lies and, you know, look at the numbers because revenue is, you know, this is a down year for us for sure. Um, I can't sit here and say, man, everybody's just rallied around and come and bought space because we do great things. I think it's been surprising that, you know, a lot of folks just, you know, just don't seem overly interested in it. If I'm honest, um, they kind of shrug their shoulders and yeah, okay, whatever. But there's definitely also some folks that really do get, you know, excited about it and do value that we're, you know, we're trying to make a difference. But ultimately for us, the reason we've been so, you know, tepid about it and not really shouted about it too much is because we don't, we don't really care. We're, we're not raising donations. We're not asking for money from anybody else. We're doing what we do. You know, we'll let you know about it. If you want to get excited about it, great. If you don't, that's okay too. It doesn't make any difference because we're not doing it for you. I'm doing it for the folks that need it. Yeah. I love that. I love that. That's that's so powerful because it gives you that uh, that energy that you need when things aren't right now. For example, is one of the tougher times for you in your business, and yet those types of ideas, concepts, those moralities, those that integrity that you have to help other people, uh, that's what's pushing you through a lot of these times. That that idea of I'm not doing it for you. Like if, if you can hear me right now, if you're listening and watching on YouTube, you're probably not the person that I'm trying to help. I'm trying to help those other people that are, that are, that don't have a voice that are, that are lost, that are invisible when you see them sitting right there on the freeway. Uh, and yet nobody's paying attention to them, right? That that's a whole different, uh, mentality. That's a whole different type of personality that you have. That's fueling you to keep going forward. What is your vision of what's going to happen in the future? Maybe not just 2021, but where you see your company going and what you're doing. So I think, I think, you know, as long as we can ride out and I, I obviously, I believe we can, but as long as we can ride this out, you know, and, and get through it and, and push forward again, I'm completely bullish on, on flexible workspace. This is the future of workspace for any company with less than 70 or 80 employees, hands down. Um, you just got to find the right space and the right provider. But even beyond that, you know, we want to take that and we want to start developing some more training, some more support so that we can help the folks who we serve here in our kind of co-working spaces, but then also hopefully be able to use that same material and go out there to developing areas and maybe train others who don't realize that being an entrepreneur is something they can do. They don't realize they've got skills, you know, inside of them that they just need to bring out or somebody needs to show them how to bring them out. And so, you know, our, I think our, our, our mission, you know, longer term goal is to to figure out how do we go out to a village and transform it? How do we go out and build some kind of center that literally becomes this community center of education, you know, of faith, of, of love, of, of, of peace, and just, just bring them some hope where they may not have it. And whether this works or doesn't, somehow or another, that's still going to happen. If this does work, that's just going to happen faster, you know, and, and quicker. So I'm okay either way. 
All right. Uh, I want to get to know your podcast a little bit. I know for me personally, podcasting has become one of the greatest prospecting tools I've ever come across. We're, we're literally episode 617. We've had over 400 interviews. Uh, it's been an amazing experience. Selfishly, I've been, I've learned more since starting this podcast than ever before because I get to meet people like yourself and learn from your experiences and your knowledge and your wisdom and, you know, all the ups and downs. What's been your experience now that you have a podcast and you've been, and you've been uh, creating content? How has that changed your life? So I think, I think first of all, I've been creating content for quite a while, just through blogs. Uh, I actually published a book a few years ago. And so, you know, the content side of things isn't too different for me. I think what's really been surprising for me, and we wrestled with this for a while again, because I'm, I'm not the kind of guy that wants to be on camera and, you know, in front of everybody, I'm, I'm kind of happy not to be. So it was probably about a year, a year and a half that we wrestled with, you know, I think I should do this podcast, but I don't really want to be, you know, can I do it like invisibly? Can I get like a fake <laughs> face and pretend I'm someone else, but my accent's going to give me away. So probably not. Um, I think what's been really cool is, like you say, I've got to meet some amazing people. And, and so my show started off as just a solo show. So it was me or me and my wife for about the first 10, 11 episodes. And then we introduced a couple of guests and thought we'd try that. Um, but our goal isn't to just interview people and have them you know, tell their story. It's really more to just get into a conversation about a, a concept or a theme and, and just dig deeper on that for that 30, 40 minutes or something. And I think we'll probably hybrid a little bit of kind of solo show versus guest show and keep it in the mix. But my, my goal, obviously, um, one was to just meet some great people. As you said, it's just phenomenal. The, the podcasting community, you know, I say this, it just hasn't been tarnished. We're not competing against each other. Just because mm -hmm. I've got one doesn't mean I'm fighting, you know, with you for that same listener. And, and you don't get that same tension that you get in business where there's this icky weirdness of, well, I'm at a networking event and there's a guy who does something similar to me. So can, can we go say hi? Or is that not okay? Or, <laughs> watching? The you awkward know? business dating. Right. <laughs> no, I, just, I don't want to be that way. Dude, there's plenty to go around. It's having that abundant mindset and just thinking it's, it's going to be okay. You know, I don't, I don't need a hundred million dollars to be okay. 99 would still work for me, you know, 98 <laughs> would work for me. Um, and I'm nowhere near either of those numbers, just to be clear. But I think that's the biggest thing that I've learned is just what a community, what a, what a way to meet some great people. And um, I think the second thing is it, it's helping me just, just figure out who I am today and, and what I think today is life has changed me and, and things have evolved over the years. And, you know, I'm 40 something. So, you know, a couple decades of working, it, it's helping me just slow down and, and think about who I am, who I want to be and, and where I want to go a little bit more than just, just racing constantly, which is what happens, right? You just, you just, hamster on a wheel man it's another day it's another hustle it's another dollar let's go do it and you just never start and then we wonder why time flies right wow yeah <laughs> i don't even know where 2020 went so it was a blink it's gone already all right mike uh last question here uh actually i got two questions for you but first of all before we get to my last question uh can you let people know if they want to work with you if they are looking for um, some space out there in houston most of our audience is in san diego but if they're looking to to get a hold of you maybe contribute to some of your nonprofits. uh can you let them know how to how they can get a hold of you maybe also uh your podcast give it a plug yeah absolutely so worklodge.com is the workspace we're in houston i uh, got a couple spaces there we're in dallas as well so come check us out. Genuinely great spaces, um, you know, awesome locations. If you want to hear the show, just go to MikeThacker.com. It's T-H-A-K-U-R. You'll find me on Apple uh, Podcasts, Spotify, all the usual kind of places. And, um, you know, let me know if you're listening, right? I'd, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear some feedback. 
if it's mean, just don't don't leave a review. Just send it to me personally. And if it's nice, <laughs> you can leave a review. That's okay. Um, but you can you know find out all the different things I'm involved in at MikePacker.com. So. I love that. I'm gonna I'm gonna steal that one because that's a great one. If it's bad, send it to me directly. If it's great, then go ahead and put it put a plug. I'm in gonna there. delete it, but it's just still send it to me. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. All right. Uh, last little last little question here. You've been creating content for quite some time. You have a podcast. Uh, I wanted to know, get some honest feedback from you. What do you think of our show? The production, uh, the design, the feel, the host. How do you feel about our show? So honestly, I'll tell you the funniest thing is I was literally having a conversation with a member in my space yesterday about StreamYard, which is the platform you're using right now to, to broadcast this live. And he's raving about it. And I'm like, dude, I don't want to go live. Like, why would I use that? I'm okay just, just doing audio and, you know, maybe doing a Zoom thing. It's like, no, Mike, you got to do the StreamYard thing. Let me show you how easy it is. And then I get this link from you guys with the StreamYard thing on it. So um, I, th this is an awesome tool. You know, the way that it works is great. I love this kind of, you know, real live kind of vibe. You guys have got such great energy, and that's one of the reasons why I was happy to, you know, to come on the show after checking you out a little bit. You know, I didn't stalk you too much, but I might just stalk you a little bit. You know, <laughs> went crazy, and uh, you know, right now I'm jealous because you're in San Diego and I'm in Houston. It's like 37 degrees outside, so something's wrong with the world. Oh man, yeah. I, I, we I usually go out to uh, Austin, and I haven't really been out to Houston very much. But uh, and we would go every quarter. One of my business partners for our insurance agency is out there, so we'd go out every quarter. And those that winter quarter is not nice. I mean, I'm leaving over here, and I got me you know flip flops and a and a hoodie, and I walk out the airport over there, and it's freezing. Right? I did. I had no idea. So my first winter here, we literally had a flutter of snow. And I'm thinking, what's going on right now? I thought Texas stayed hot all year round. Like somebody lied to me. I moved to the wrong place. I should have gone to Florida, Arizona or something. I'm not, listen, <laughs> 90 degrees for me is cold. Like I keep my house at 78 if I get away with it. This is not working at all. And everybody laughs at me, but I'm not built for this. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to feel the weather. And then you need to come to San Diego. You need to go to Florida. You need to go to some of these, some of these hot weather states. Absolutely. All right, Mike. Well, thank you very much for coming on the program. Really appreciate you, appreciate you taking the time to, to come on. Uh, and uh, what you're doing again is so phenomenal, not just because of, you know, on top of the workspace environment that you've created, you know, creating something that's amazing, but affordable. Those are all great things, but you take it one step further by doing everything you possibly can to help your fellow man that is in need, uh, whether or not they're ready to ask for the help or not is, is not the, it's not the important part. The important part is that there are people like you in this world that are making a difference that are taking action to do something. And, and I, I honestly, I commend you for doing that and I wish you much more success. I think he's wonderful. <laughs> I got a couple of things for you before you go, if we got yeah. time. Go so for I it. think just to respond to that, you know, the reality is you, me, all of us, Somebody helps us get to where we are today. None of us got here on our own. Whether we realize it or not, somebody helped. And they might not have helped in the way that other people need help. But I think as, as humans, we've got a responsibility to pay some of that forward and, and also pay some of that back. Um, but I'm going to leave you with a funny little story. So you call business bros. Now, I grew up in the UK. And you might not know this, but there was a little old boy band in the UK when I was a teenager. And they were also called B-R-O-S but they didn't say it as bros. They said it as bros. And it was two brothers, Luke and Matt Goss. Now, I'm going to give you some homework here because um, to say they were huge 
around the world would be an understatement. Like they were filling Wembley Stadium and all the girls were screaming and going crazy. Like they were two pretty boys, you know, and they and they nailed it. Their first song was called When Will I Be Famous? You can find it on YouTube. I'm going to give them a plug here. But here's where it gets interesting. A couple of years ago, I'm in Las Vegas with my wife. I'm walking through Caesar's Palace and here's a poster from Matt Goss. It's got his own little show going on in Vegas. So then I go Googling and thinking, what happened? How did they go from a boy band to this guy being in Vegas? Here's his brother in Hollywood making movies. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so go check him out. I just thought you'd find it interesting. And something catchy. Will. So you know what? I'm okay with that famous. I don't want to be. So, well, I mean, you know, we got the bras here too, but uh, I don't think we got the good looks in the, I don't think we'll get the screaming girls coming along. What do you think, James? Probably not, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, had a whole think, lot more hair to me and you. Yeah, I think you need a little hair to get that done. Maybe he'll it'll work for him, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll try. Speechless, speechless. <laughs> All right, Mike. Well, thank you very much uh, again for coming on the show. Wish you a ton of luck. Uh, ladies and gents, check out all Mike's stuff, Mike the Core, uh, MikeTheCore.com. Uh, you can follow him on Instagram at RealMikeTheCore. Uh, Mike, thanks again for coming on the show. Ladies and gents, it is Tuesday. We'll see you again tomorrow on Hump Day. That's all we got for you guys today. Peace. Bye-bye. And we're nice, guys. Thank you for listening to the Business Bros Podcast. Are you looking to get more clients or to increase your income? Hernan, the business bro, can help you generate referrals through the power of podcasting. And James, the insurance bro with Pipeline Insurance, can help you effectively add insurance to your existing business. If you are ready to create wealth today and generational wealth for tomorrow, email businessbros at csfirst.com to schedule a free consultation or join the Business Bros Network, www.businessbros.biz.